Hey, good morning. If you're jumping in late, I'm J.D. Mangrum. I get to be the pastor of Christ Church Charlestown. And today you're jumping into the middle, if it's your first time in a while or your first time ever maybe, into a series we're doing called The Lord is My Shepherd. Uh, as we get going, let me ask you today, what's your favorite mountain you've maybe ever climbed or your favorite mountain view or even your favorite mountain to kind of look at from afar? I know for me, uh, and there's some beautiful ones here on the East Coast, but my favorite one I've ever seen, honestly, was when I went to Colorado for the first time and began to see the Rocky Mountains. I couldn't believe it. I was riding with a friend from Denver down toward Pikes Peak and I'll never, uh, never forget him saying, how far away do you think that mountain is? And I was like, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 miles. And it was 63 miles away. And yet it looked like it was 10 miles away from me. I'd never, I never forgot that. I never, I never breathed the thin air of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. And so I remember him taking me to a spot, the Continental Divide, where they say that uh, all of the water on one side flows toward the Pacific Ocean, all the water on the other side flows toward the, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean. And so he says, we're going to go to the Continental Divide. The, the views are going to be breathtaking. And so we get there and you've got to go up these like 20 steps, maybe 20, 25 steps to get the view from the top of the Continental Divide. And so we get and I'm like, 20 steps, no big deal. I'd never breathed that kind of air before. I mean, we had gone from Denver, which is a high elevation, up to the Divide, which was really high elevation. And so we get out of the car and I'm looking at these 20 steps and every three to five steps, I've got to stop and I'm catching my breath and it feels like my lungs are bleeding and uh, and yet we get to the top and, and he was totally right. I had never seen anything like that view from the Continental Divide, wherever we, it was that we were in Colorado. I wanted the views, but I had no idea whatsoever the cost it would take each step more difficult than the one before. And so I, I made it up and I was panting and he was right. It was amazing. Well worth the pulmonary pain required to get to the top. How many of us want a sort of a higher ground spiritually? We long to be on the mountaintop. We say that. I just want to be on the mountaintop with God. And I know most of you want that. If not, all of you want to be on the high mountaintop with God. But as we think about it, like, what does that even look like? What's it look like to be on the mountaintop with God? What would it feel like if you made it to the top of the mountain with God? You might even in the comments of the chat today be writing, I think it would look like this. I think it would feel like this to be on the mountaintop with God. I mean, climbing that mountaintop can seem a little daunting, a little challenging, even scary. But here's the truth. We will never get to the top of the mountain without first climbing up from some kind of a valley. To get that view that day, it required the car to go to an elevation and then for me to go to an elevation. The truth then is the truth of our spiritual journey as well. We will never get to the summit without going from some going through some sort of a valley or some sort of elevation increase. And so um, we've got to remember that. And in, the, in those valleys, in those climbs, there's going to be shadows. There's going to be intimidating views of the mountainside before we get to the mountaintop. As we go again today in our series through The Lord is My Shepherd, we're going to look at verse 4 of Psalm 23. This was, as we told you, this was a David psalm. It's written by King 
David. And last week we paused as Minister Ed Walker shared a, a message that I know encouraged you and challenged a lot of you and blessed you from John 10, where Jesus said that he was the good shepherd. If that challenged you, uh, I want to encourage you next time you see Ed to give him a holy elbow bump or maybe even in the comments of a chat today, encourage him, thank him for his faithfulness in sharing God's word. Listen, King David, when he was referring to the Lord as his shepherd, Jesus was that good shepherd. Though David was a thousand years before Jesus, King David was looking forward to the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, who would be that good shepherd. And so I'm so thankful, Ed, for you declaring God's word faithfully and boldly last week and blessing and pastoring our church well and sharing God's word. So today, let me read verses one through four, returning to Psalm 23. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I lack for nothing. He is constantly, the ancient Hebrew, the original way it was written, uh, says that he is constantly making me lie down in green pastures by Middle Eastern standards. He's constantly leading me beside still, clean waters. Verse 3, he's constantly restoring my soul. He's constantly leading me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 4, this is where we'll be today. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, or they are constantly comforting me. Has there been a phrase in this passage so far that stood out to you, or has there been a word or a verse or an idea so far in Psalm 23 that's kind of come alive for you? I'm going to pause really quickly and just give you a moment to write in the chat, maybe a verse, like you might write one, two, or three, or four, maybe a phrase or an idea that God has used to speak to your heart over the last month as we've been going through Psalm 23 and talking about the Lord being our shepherd. So I'll pause. Maybe you write that really quickly in the chat. Awkward silence, Jeopardy music going to keep going. You guys ready to go? Hopefully you've written something, typed something really fast. Uh, listen, life comes with valleys. It really does. I once had a pastor who said that every time an atheist gets cancer, somewhere else a Christian does too. Every time a pagan goes through a crisis, a Christ follower does too. Every time an unbeliever gets fired or gets mistreated or deals with a relational conflict, or faces an unmanageable situation, a believer does too. This happens so that a watching world can see the difference the gospel makes in the crucible of life. While I don't think that's necessarily like a one-to-one -one ratio, I do think one of Satan's best tricks is to convince God's people, followers of Jesus, that surrendering your life to Christ provided some sort of get-out-of-trials-free card. It's just not that way. And observation tells us that as well, right? Uh, each day this month, we're posting on our church's Instagram and Facebook account, sort of our black church history, the, the stories of black uh, Christ followers through the centuries who follow Jesus well. I want to promise you two things of the 28 men and women that we're highlighting this month. Number one, all of them love Jesus fiercely. And number two, Almost all of them, if not all of them, bore varied and tremendous weights of injustice, of slavery, of suffering, of persecution, and or even martyrdom. And our black brothers and sisters aren't the only ones. For the Christ follower, life comes with valleys. 
Some so dark and so ominous, we feel we're walking through the valley of death's shadow. Like death personified is going to jump out and yell at us, gotcha. Today I'm gonna to get right to it. Now I remember being in college and learning to cook, learning to make spaghetti. And I asked a buddy, I said, how do you know when the noodles are done? And he said, take the noodles and throw one at the wall. And if it sticks, then it's ready. I love that. I love baseball. I love sports. So uh, cooking spaghetti became my favorite thing. Today, essentially, we're going to throw a bunch of noodles at the wall and hopefully some are going to stick in your heart for you. All are truths from David's song from Psalm 23, 4. All of them are true for our lives, but hopefully some or all will encourage you on a deep level as we talk about this valley of the shadow of death and the rod and the staff. Now, here's the first thing. From here on out, this, this, uh, this psalm is going to shift from David talking about the Lord or uh, he's going to, the Lord is or the Lord did or something like that to Lord, you are or you do this. Why? And this is important. The more intense your journey, the more personal God will be. The more intense what you're going through, the more personal our Lord is willing to be in our lives. And the more personal we'll need him to be in our lives as well. I think about the darkest valleys in my life. I think about the confusion and identity Christ that came from growing up without a father in the house, a six-month gap in my resume early in ministry where I needed God to provide every single thing. I think about Nat and I watching a 20-year-old mom who we pastored as she courageously fought leukemia and then slowly passed into eternity. I remember emotional breakdowns in Greenville where it felt like Satan was coming at us to destroy us. In those moments, I didn't need the Lord, the God, or the Father. I needed my Lord. I needed my God. I needed my Father, my Redeemer, my Rescuer, as we sing at Christ Church. I know Mark Ebert and Renee love uh, that song. In a valley, you don't need a shepherd or you don't even need the shepherd. You want God to be personal and intimate and near. That's why David says, you are with me. The next thing he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you hear that? Through the valley, through the valley. Is it actual death or is it some sort of valley in life that feels like death? Theologians and Christians have argued about this for, the, for centuries. You know, the truth is, it's probably both. It's probably both. For some of us who feel like we're in the valley of the shadow of death today, though, Satan is whispering lies and he's saying, the Lord's left, the Lord has led you to the valley and to the shadow of death and he's going to leave you there. He accuses and he has this bullying voice telling that, has us believing that God has brought us to the valley for us to stop there and die, either literally or metaphorically. Hear the tender voice today of the good shepherd. I'm leading you through the valley of death's shadows. All the false voices of Satan and of fear and despair and voices of the past are going to tell you that you're going to the valley. The Lord, our shepherd, is saying we're going through the valley today. We're going through the valley. Can I get you to type it even in the chat and the comments today as a declaration of faith? I am going through the valley. Type it in there. I am going through the valley. The shepherd's leading me through the valley. Some of you might need to bear witness and even say, praise the Lord, he brought me through the valley. Praise the Lord, he brought me through the valley. Listen, I pray for 
each one of you at least once a week. Some of you I'm praying for daily as you walk through some valleys of unemployment, as you walk through anxiety, as you walk through depression, as you walk through fear or isolation or unreconciled relationships or marriage strain or financial insecurity or uncertainty with your kids or a hundred other situations. I pray for each of you by name each week. And when you let me know about specific valleys you're in, I want you to know I pray for those daily because I love you. But I want to tell you the good shepherd led you to these valleys to lead you through these valleys. And I will pray with you and for you until we celebrate, praise the Lord, that you are through the valley. God is leading you through it. And those who've been through it need to testify to those in the middle of it so that they don't get discouraged and believe that the valley is the last stop. Christian, God will lead you through all of life's valleys and ultimately he will even lead you through the valley of the shadow of death and into eternity with him. The scriptures say to be absent from the body is to be present from, with the Lord. Two weeks ago, after 104 years and seven months, Nat's Granny Polly was led by the Lord, her shepherd, through the valley of the shadow of death and into the high country of heaven. Her last breath in this life was followed by her first breath in the presence of God and the saints who'd gone before her. And I will tell you, if she were with us today, which she would not choose to leave the presence of Jesus for a second, but if she were with us, she would say, the Lord will lead you through every valley and ultimately even through the valley of the shadow of death. Next thing David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Valleys are part of life. Valleys are part of faith. Valleys are part of life and faith. Fear, my brothers and sisters, is optional. Fear is optional. We can think it's mandatory, can't we? After all, most people carry it and our world sells it, selling us insurance and medicine and stuff and experiences and ideal relationships. Most of advertising, quite frankly, is just capitalizing on our fears in order to get us to spend. But fear is not part of the packing list for God's people. What is the Bible's most repeated command? It's fear not. How many times does the Bible tell us to fear not? 365 times the Bible says, fear not. Do you guys think it's just a little ironic or intentional on God's part that in a year where we have 365 days, the Lord tells us 365 times, do not fear, don't be afraid. God knows that probably daily we'll have something that life will bring at us that will cause us to want to give in to fear and let fear bully us. But he tells us we don't have to be afraid. Hear the shepherd tell us today, fear not. Valleys are part of life. Fear is optional. And what cures fear per the psalm? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. You're on your staff. They comfort me. The presence of the shepherd and his rod and his staff are our comfort. Now, the rod is the shepherd's defensive weapon. The predator threatening the sheep on the way up the mountain would be clubbed by the rod in a way that would eliminate the threat. The, the rod was essentially the Louisville slugger baseball bat. So the lamb in the, in the darkest valley would look to her shepherd and see her rod or see his rod and their heart would come to be at ease. They would breathe a little easier. The staff is more of an offensive tool, a proactive help, a counting and a rescue tool. The shepherd would gently 
tapped the sheep on the nape of the neck as it went by to count them to make sure none had gone missing. Sometimes sheep would slip on a ledge or just wander off into dangerous thickets. And the staff, a stick that was J-shaped or U-shaped on the end, curved like a cane, would be the thing to grab the sheep and pull her from danger. Along a rocky pass in the scary shadow of the looming mountains, the, the sheep uh, would look at the cliffs to the side and the shadows and then look at the shepherd with the rod and the staff and breathe a little easier. The rod and the staff without a good shepherd would provide no comfort. A shepherd without a, rod, uh, without a rod and a staff would just be sort of a sappy, you gotta believe in the shepherd. But a shepherd with a rod of defense and the staff of rescue would provide comfort in the darkest valley to even the most vulnerable, fearful sheep. When enemies come at you, Jesus is not afraid to take them out. Jesus will kill a wolf. When you slip, fall, get stuck, wander, or, for, or feel trapped, let me tell you even further that Jesus' arm is long enough to save you. 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 3-5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so we may be able to comfort others who are in any affliction with the comfort which we have ourselves uh, received or are comforted by God. God wants us to be people who are comforted with his comforting presence and love. John 16, Jesus says, I've said these things so to you so that in me you can have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus offers us a comfort and a peace that are bigger than our circumstance. What cures our fears in the valley of the shadow of death? The shepherd and his rod and his staff. And David says, you are with me. In your valley, Jesus won't leave you. In your pain, Jesus won't leave you. In your darkness, Jesus won't leave you. In stress, Jesus won't leave you. In loneliness, Jesus won't leave you. Even in sin and unbelief and unfaithfulness, my friends, Jesus, even there, will not leave you. You know who will leave you? By the way, everyone else. Every idol, every treasure will eventually leave you. Jesus will not. Ed preached beautifully last week from John 10 and reminded us, he, he reminded us in verses 12 through 15, Jesus said, he who is a hired hand, and that's everything in life other than Jesus that would seek to lead us, and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. All hired hands and all substitute saviors, what the Bible calls an idol, whether it's control or money or power or health, whatever it may be, all hired hands and all substitute saviors will abandon you, my friends, in a time of need. Control is an illusion we grab for. We know we're not in control. That's why we try so hard to be. Money could lose all its value if the stock market crashed or disaster struck. We'll never have enough money to feel fully safe and fully calamity-proof. Power is elusive. Some of history's most powerful people became powerless paupers in history's footnotes. Health, if COVID hasn't taught us anything these last 11 months, it's that we better live by faith today and trust the Savior. 
Even a vaccine won't give us the comfort that we long for in 2021. Only Jesus. In a valley, where do you run for comfort? I'll be honest, I am a stress eater. If you look at my bank statement and you see a bunch of Chick-fil-A and pizza receipts, you can know I'm stressed. I know others are stress spenders. Some of you uh, in a valley will run to alcohol or to drugs or to pornography or to busyness or to relentless work or to bad relationships, past or present, or to other things. The stuff we run to for comfort and the stuff we spend our life and energy on is at best an elusive false messiah. But Jesus will never abandon you. When everyone and everything else bails on you and fails you, Jesus will walk with you through the valley of death's shadow. The gospel isn't that we lay aside our false idols and we draw near to Jesus because we're so good. The gospel is the hell-shaking, chain-breaking news that Jesus draws near to us, rips us from the grips of the false messiahs, and picks us up even when they have shattered us, and he carries us in grace and his tender love. We see that substitute saviors are what they are, and we begin, because of the gospel and the good shepherd, to lose our appetites for them. Grace, not effort, destroys our idols. But when we experience grace, the things of earth, as the hymn that I grew up with says, the things of earth grow strangely dim. Here's the fifth and final thing I want to tell you today. The Lord our shepherd will never waste a valley in your life. Would you type that in the chat? The Lord will never waste a valley in my life. Jesus promised in Matthew 28, 20, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. One of my favorite hymns growing up was How Firm a Foundation. It starts with the first stanza saying, all we need in life we find in God's word and his promises. The final stanza to me is the most powerful. When I was honestly having a, a nervous breakdown years ago, I sang it over and over when Nat's gone through her darkest parts of her journey, I sang it in faith. When loved ones have died, I sang it in faith. The first stanza is the writer telling us to look to Jesus in God's word. And the rest of the verses are the Lord, our good shepherd, singing over us. The final verse says this. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, for rest. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. God never wastes a valley in our life. So here's what I know. Dark valleys, deep shadows. Dark valleys, deep shadows. Personal intimacy. I never knew Jesus like I knew him in the valleys of the shadow. Dark valleys, deep shadows, personal intimacy, powerful testimony. If life were only kittens and rainbows, I would not believe and declare to you so forcefully today that the Lord is a good shepherd even in the valley of the shadow. Dark valleys, deep shadows, personal intimacy, powerful testimony, high mountains, good shepherd. The valleys are never wasted. They provide intimacy, testimony, and unrivaled joy when we have gone through them, through the valley of the shadow of death and to the mountaintop. You and I will never get to the higher ground, the peaks of perspective, the mountaintops of intimacy with Christ without going through the valleys. So if you're in a valley today, look at the shepherd, his rod and his staff, and keep going. 
keep going in faith, I can testify to you and many others can testify to you that the Lord will not waste a valley, but he will take you through the valley to get to the mountain with him. Not yet, Christian, who knows of God, but maybe doesn't know the Lord, the good shepherd. You've been to the shepherd, but you've not gone through the door with Jesus into relationship with God, as Ed said last week. Turn to Jesus for salvation and rescue. Christ follower, turn to him again and trust and surrender. Some of you today are on the mountaintop. And for some of you, you're on the mountaintop and it's been a minute since you've been there. And I want to encourage you to encourage the church to keep going if somebody's in a valley. Tell them they're going through the valley to the mountaintop with the Good Shepherd. And finally, I'm asking you, church, to write a book with me this year. I'd love for you even this Thursday to attend our sort of first collaborative session Uh, Let us know on your connection card if you're willing to do that. I need some of you to tell stories from your mountaintop of being in the valleys. Some of you are in the valley right now, and I even need you to tell that story of the valley of the shadow of death, and yet how God is there with you. Dark valleys, deep shadows, personal intimacy, powerful testimony, high mountain, good shepherd. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that... uh, Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that we get out of Valley's free card. Uh, As much as we wish it did, God, that's not been our experience. And so we're encouraged to know that our Valley's don't mean that we've been bad Christians, we haven't believed enough, or you're punishing us for something we once did. Valley's are just part of life. But your presence with us in the Valley is also part of the faith journey. And the promise that you lead us through the Valley's is part of the faith journey. God, you're leading us. Some of us, you're leading through dark, dark valleys right now, and we need to know you're with us. So God, would you remind us by your presence, your rod and your staff, that you got us. Some of us have been through some valleys. Some of us have even recently gone through some valleys or at the summits. Lord, would you allow these people to encourage the others that the shepherd doesn't lead us to the valley, but you lead us through the valley. Father, some people watching need to surrender their lives to the good shepherd They're going to go through dark valleys, some of them darker than they would even choose to believe that they will go through. And God, the presence of the good shepherd, knowing that they're in your care, would make the journey so different. So God, if someone's here and they've never trusted Christ, I pray they would turn from their sin, trust the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and surrender themselves to you today. Maybe just where they're sitting, they would pray a prayer of surrender and commitment today. Father, for others of us, maybe we need to recenter our perspective. Look to the shepherd again, the good shepherd, as you walk us through the valleys to the summits. And Lord, as as we dive into 2021 and coming up on a year of COVID life, and God, I pray that we would be active in looking to you and in sharing what you've done and encouraging one another. Because We all know somebody going through valleys. And God, our testimony of your presence may be the thing that encourages them and steadies them and gives them hope. We love you. Thank you for everybody who's been here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.